0: Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com. I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E Now from there you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now on to our weekend message. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 34. We're going to take a look at Psalm 34 this morning. Let me just tell you a little bit about myself before we get into the Psalm. Uh, 25 years ago, uh, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I was 19 at the time. I was attending a community college in my hometown in Alabama, Alabama with hopes of pursuing some kind of career in law enforcement. I didn't know what kind of career, I just knew I was interested in law enforcement and that was my focus. I would plan on moving on to the University of Alabama and, and, uh, and hopefully that would, that would be what I would do with my life. Well, about two months after uh, I started following Jesus, I found myself suddenly and strangely attracted to what my pastor was doing each Sunday. Uh, teaching the Bible on Sunday mornings and evenings and Wednesday evenings. Now, that was strange to me because I have a fear of public speaking. And uh, to me, I didn't see how these two were going to work. I'm attracted to what he's doing, but there's no way I'm going to be talking in front of people. You know, I was the I was the kid in school and in, and even in college that never raised his hand in class to ask or answer a question. Uh, I was the kid who, you know, when when I knew one of my assignments would force me to speak in front of the class, I would work myself up into a sickness the week before. Stomach in knots. Uh, even in, in my senior year of high school, I had ulcers just thinking about all the times I had to get up and speak. And so any thought of talking in front of people, uh, which is absolutely a no-no for me. And so I shared this with some other Christian friends of mine at the time. I shared with them what was going on, all that I was thinking and, and what I was feeling at the time and the fears that I had, and I had this career choice, and now I can't stop thinking about what the pastor is doing each and every week. So someone suggested maybe you should go and talk with one of the pastors on staff. They, can, they could probably help you. They could probably give you some direction, let you know what you should do, the next step. So it sounded like a good idea to me. So I scheduled an appointment with one of our associate pastors. His name was Pastor Gary at the time. And I sat in his office, and I just poured out my heart to him. I'm a, I'm a young follower of Christ. I've been in church most of my life, but I'm a, I'm a young follower of Christ. And I'm just pouring out to him what's going on with me said, you know, I've got this attraction to what the pastor is doing about speaking and teaching the Bible, and, but I have this fear of speaking in front of people. I don't know what to do. Who should I talk to? You know, all those questions. And, and after about 10 minutes, uh, there was a moment of silence. And then the pastor sat up in his chair, and he leaned forward, and he said to me, he said, Well, Mark, it sounds as if you've got a lot going on in your life right now. Sounds pretty exciting. Sounds like you've got a lot of decisions to make. And then he paused. And I thought this is where he's going to hit the home run. (laughs) He's going to tell me what I need to do. He's going to show me what I need to do. Um, I'm going to walk out of here knowing exactly the next steps to take. And he looked at me and he said, just keep praying about it and God will guide you and direct you. That's it. Is, is there anything else I need to do? I mean, is there, is there someone else to talk to? Um, is there any other, you know, I, I'm looking for something other than just you're telling me to pray and God's going to guide me and direct me. So, no, that, that's it. Just, just continue praying about it and God's going to lead you. Now, what I heard was continue praying about it and stuff will start happening. Which made absolutely no sense to me, but I had been in the church long enough and i had heard the story of how my home church started i had heard all of these miraculous stories and and how people were coming to faith and and just amazing things that God was doing So I'm a young Christian. I don't know a lot. This guy's been a pastor longer than me I heard the story. So I thought you know what? I'll go home and I'll make sure that I'm praying and I'll start asking God about these things I was extremely disappointed with the meeting But I did exactly what he told me to do and so, for a few weeks, maybe a, a couple of months, I continued asking God, What do I do? I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how to make sense of what's happening to me. You know, you need to do something. You know, I, God, I kind of need you to hold my hand right now and get me started on the right pathway. Well, a funny thing happened along the way as I was praying, stuff started happening. Suddenly these opportunities started opening up to me at church just to share a little bit here and there about what God was doing in my life. You know, it was kind of like daily bread type, you know, devotionals is what we called them. And and just opportunities to do that at the youth group, uh, in Sunday school. Uh, with the children's uh, uh, ministry and then we had a Friday night basketball ministry as well. So after the basketball game was over, I was asked to share, you know, things I was learning from the Bible at the time, which, you know, as a young Christian, it probably wasn't very deep at all. You know, I I, I just was sharing a little stuff here and there, but people were being blessed by it. People were um, telling me that they were learning quite a bit. And then we had a Christian school on, on site, and I was asked to speak in the chapel service. And I, I can remember walking into, the, right as we were walking into the chapel, or walking upstairs to the chapel room, one of the men in the church asked me, he said, um, he said how do you feel? I said, I am scared to death. I'm nervous. I, my stomach, I'm sick at my stomach, just thinking about having to speak. And he just smiled. He put his arm around me, and he, he laughed. He said, well, guess what? You get to do this for the rest of your life. <laughs> So and, and then even a few weeks later, my pastor said to me one Sunday morning, he said, hey, listen, I want you to come up front this morning and I want you just to briefly share with the church the things that God's doing in your life. OK, uh, and I'm thinking you mean in front of the lights and the TV cameras because the, the service was recorded, televised, I Said in front of the TV cameras and in front of nearly a thousand faces. You want me to talk about what God's doing in my life. Well, I did, and I mumbled, and I fumbled my way through, and I'm pretty sure it was just as painful for them as it was for me. Um, but, you know, when it was over with, some people came up. They had been blessed to hear these things. They were encouraged to hear these things, and, and it was uh, a, really a surprise for me. But I continued to pray. That went on for a few months. I continued to serve in the church, and opportunities opened up, and I even asked for a few opportunities as well. And then one day somebody asked me, Have you thought about Bible college? Or maybe a Christian university or something like that, which I had not at the time. I looked into it. I found a local Bible college in, in Birmingham. It was just a, about a 45-minute drive from my house. And it was a good college, had a great reputation. Some of their professors had actually preached in our church a few times. But the most important thing is that it was affordable. Or at least I thought it was the most important thing. The school was affordable. In other words, it was shallow water. I can manage this. I looked at the savings that I had and and I put that together and I thought, you know, with a job and I'm frugal with my money and my parents help me. You know what? I can do this. I can manage this. This school is not going to be a problem for me. This must be where God is leading. And so I decided I would enroll the following semester. I told my pastor about it. I said, hey, I've decided I'm going to go to this this Bible college. And I could see he was disappointed with my choice. I could see it on his face. And uh, it wasn't because of the school. It was because of my reason for going there. And he said, you know, that's a good school. That's got a great reputation. You're going to learn some stuff. We've had some of their professors here. You know, it's a good choice, but I'm bothered by the reason why you chose it. You chose it because you can manage it. And he said to me, he said, have you thought about Liberty University? I never heard of Liberty. I'd heard of Jerry Falwell, but I'd never heard of Liberty before. And so he gave me a, a, a copy of the catalog. I went home that night and I went through the catalog page by page. And as I turned the pages, with each each one, I grew more and more excited about Liberty. And and I looked at it and thought this is this looks really good. Maybe I picked the wrong school. Maybe this is uh, maybe this is something that I can do. Maybe this is where God's leading. Until I found out how much it would cost me to be a student at Liberty. I looked at the breakdown and I I thought, you know what, I barely have enough for the first semester. I don't have enough for the first year, much less four years. This can't possibly be where God's leading me. The water's too deep. I can't manage it, you see. So I went back, and I told my pastor a week later, I said, you know, I think, I said, I appreciate the catalog. It looks really exciting. I'd love to go there, but, you know, I can't do it. I'm going to stick with my original choice because I can't afford it. And my pastor put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Mark, he said, wherever God leads you, he will provide for you. Amen. And um, and as we, we started talking about... These things, and I was just thinking about all that God was doing in my life. He, he just, the, the look on his face and the way he was looking at me, you know, it encouraged me. And I thought, you know, could this possibly be? Could this really be what God's doing? Could he really lead me in this direction? Could he really, could he really do something that great in my life? And to me, that was a big deal. I, I couldn't imagine anyone providing that opportunity for me to go to that school. And so he looked at me and said, listen, Mark, God can do whatever he, he can do, whatever he wants to. The question is, and then he stopped, he goes, have you even prayed about it? I said, no, actually, I haven't. I just assumed that, hey, I can manage this. This must be where God's leading, right? You know, kind of like you know, kind of like uh, uh, Samuel, when he went to Jesse's house and he saw the first guy, he goes, this has to be the king. I mean, he just look at him. He looks like a king. I thought the same thing. So... I, um, I said, no, I haven't prayed about it. And he said, listen, you're asking the wrong questions and you're looking at the wrong things. He said, you need to go home. And the first thing you need to be asking God, is this what he wants you to do? Don't worry about how much it costs. Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about whatever obstacles you may have in your life that's keeping you from doing it. You need to ask God, is this where he wants you? And if it is, you need to set a date and you need to go and everything is going to work out for you. So I did it. I went home and I prayed for six months. Six months for God's direction and for him to open the door where I would go and what I would be. as. And, and you know, I was a young Christian. I, I, did, I just talked to God the, the best way that I knew how. He probably got tired of me repeating over and over, you know, because I didn't know what else to say. And so I did this. My life did not change at all for six months. Life went on as normal. Um, I got up in the morning, went to community college. I was uh, an, uh, like an assistant manager for a local fast food uh, company, and and then I would you know go to class. I'd study two a.m., go to bed for a couple hours. You know, the same stuff all college students do. And I prayed and I prayed. Nothing is happening. I had no evidence that God was hearing anything that I was saying. The only thing that I could hold on to was was passages like this here. Like for example the one in in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And I remember that word stood out to me. Everyone? You mean everyone will receive? Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And and the one who knocks it will be open. Then Jesus goes on to say which one of you... If his son asking for a bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. If you then, you're evil, you know how to give good things to children. How much more will your father, who is in heaven, look at this, give good things to those who ask? You know what that word good means? It means stuff that's beneficial for people. This is all I had to hang on to. The next one, too. Here's another. There were plenty of. Them. I could give a bunch of them. But here's another one. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God. That's what I was doing in prayer. I was trying to draw near to him. He said, whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So That's all I had. Nothing else was happening on the outside. A lot of stuff was happening on the inside. I uh, became consumed with getting an answer from God. And so I would spend every waking moment I had, any spare time I had, uh, asking God what I should do and I need you to open the door for me. This went on for six months with nothing. And then one afternoon, the dam burst. And suddenly my life was flooded with wave after wave after wave of God's goodness in my life. All the stuff that I'd been prayed for, I'd been praying for for six months. God was now flooding my life with his goodness in answer to prayer. A friend of mine who had been discipling me, he was the pastor's son, called me at work and uh, he said, Hey, there's a a well-known Baptist pastor who has just died. He was connected to Liberty and his estate has left an enormous gift to Liberty for a one-time scholarship uh, in his honor, in, in his memory. He said, listen, I've got a number for you to call. I've got a person for you to ask for. Tell him who you are. Tell him what church you're calling from. And tell him that you want one of those and he'll give it to you. I said, just like that? That simple? I said, listen, I'm at work and I can't really stop right now. He said, listen, if you wait, you're going to miss out on this opportunity. Don't worry about your job. If you lose it, you'll be glad for it. You don't want to pass this up. So, I did. I called the guy 's number, I called him up, and I asked for the guy, and I told him where i 'm calling from. I told him who who told me to to call him, and I said, "I heard you know you've got scholarship, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, do you want one <laughs> he said do you, do you, you need to tell me right now, do you want one because this is a very time sensitive thing it 's going to run out you, This opportunity may not be available to you in the next couple of days, so do you want one I said, I said, sure, I'll take one. Said, okay, listen, fill out this paperwork. I'm going to send you, send it back, and it'll be yours. So I did that. Month and a half later, I got a letter in the mail from Liberty. I'd been accepted as a student. I got a letter about a, 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 a guaranteed scholarship. And I, I just, I, I sat there amazed as I was looking at that letter. Couldn't believe it. That it, it just happened just like that. You know, and I still think about what Pastor Gary said. Just pray and stuff will happen. Well, a whole lot of stuff happened, so I ended up going to Liberty. Now, the scholarship was not—it uh, was not a full, full ride scholarship, so I had another financial need two years down the road. So here I am, my first semester at Liberty, and, and I'm in my, my dorm room, and I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm about to start school. can't believe I've left home, and, and I'm praying, and, and I'm talking to God. I said, I can't believe all this is happening. You know I have a need in two, and two, two and a half years. You've already met my need once. I know you're going to meet my need again. So I had prepared myself to be praying for the next two years for God to provide that need. Well, just to show you how good God is sometimes. He met the need the next semester. And he opened up an opportunity for me to be a, an RA at school. They provided financial aid uh, for me to do that. I ended up having all of my, my education paid for. I graduated, walked out with any debt. I had all of these experiences. I went overseas. The first time I'd ever gone overseas before. You know, I grew up in Alabama. I thought I'd stay in Alabama for my life. I'm, I'm overseas, and I, and, and I had all these great opportunities sharing the gospel with people. And, and just all these great uh, things that happened. Friends for life. All of that. God Wave after wave of God's goodness in answer to prayer simply because I wanted to follow him and give my life to serving him. A couple of years later, I had another need. I had been accepted at Dallas Seminary. Um, I had no way to pay for it. And as I uh, f- tried to figure out how I could pay for it, which I don't understand. They said, your parents make too much money. We can't give you anything, but I don't have enough to go to school. I don't know how that works. Um, and there was no other uh, means to do so. And, and here I am. I made it. I remember that God had did all this stuff for me. You had been good to me. And so I set a date. I said, God, I'm packing up. I'm leaving on this date. And I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. But I know you'll come through. Right. At least I hope you do. <laughs> no, I knew he would. And two nights before I go to leave, my dad surprised me. You know, He came into my room and uh, he said, listen... I'm I'm proud of you and proud of what you've been doing and and where you're going, and I want to pay for everything for you. I couldn't believe it. I was floored. I said, you you don't have to do that. I can try to find a job I'll, I'll manage, even though in my head I go, I can't manage it because it's too deep for me. I need somebody else to do this for me because I can't do it. And God provided that way I went to school again, a whole new set of circumstances uh, experiences while I was in Dallas. I went to England. I couldn't believe that while I was in England, I'm preaching the gospel and I'm teaching the Bible to people from eight or nine different nations. I get to share the gospel with a a kid from Iran who was in England uh, seeking asylum, another from Iraq and, and sitting in homes with people who are so different than me from different backgrounds. And we're talking about Jesus. It was amazing met my wife in England and and just all these wonderful things happen Wave after wave after wave of God's goodness as a result of prayer And you know long before I ever stepped foot on the campus of Liberty Long before I ever stepped foot on the campus of Dallas or got on a plane and went to England or whatever it may have been King David also experienced wave after wave after wave of God's goodness in answer to prayer. And he talks about it here in Psalm 34. David recorded what happened in his life in Psalm 34, not as a way just to tell people, hey, this is what only happened to me because I'm king. David recorded this For other believers throughout the ages to encourage people like you and me and others that you too can taste and see that God is good. Now in this psalm, you can go ahead and turn there if you want. In this psalm, in Psalm 34, let me just give you a little background before we get started. If you know anything about the story of David, King David, he was on the run from Saul when this psalm was written. Now, David was the newly anointed king. What that means, he was appointed. God had chosen him to be king. That's a good thing from David. But for Saul, his predecessor, he was angry and he was jealous over David's popularity and and David's power as well. And so he tries to take David's life on a couple of occasions. Now, if you remember, Saul was the first king. He disobeyed God on a number of occasions, and and the prophet Samuel told him uh, that God has taken the kingdom away from you, and he's now given it to someone else, a man after his own heart. What that means, he says, I'm giving it to a man that's like-minded with me. And so that created problems. David is dedicated to God. Saul is not dedicated to God. That creates a lot of problems and trials and troubles. And now David's life is in danger. His need was much different than mine. But his life is in danger. He's on the run. He's separated from his family. He's separated from his dear friend, Jonathan. He has no food and he has no weapons. But he calls upon God. He calls upon God to keep him safe. He calls upon god to to uh, to keep him safe from his enemies and to provide for his needs and God comes through for him, and he records this he records the goodness of God in his life here in psalm thirty four and this psalm is written not only to 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 celebrate god 's goodness but also to invite other people into his joy, not as a way to to um, say hey I'm better than you no he invites you and me and others into his joy to say look you too can taste and see that God is good for yourself and not only that the most important thing about this psalm is that David pencil sketches for us the kind of man or the kind of woman that can expect to experience God's goodness in their life let's take a look at this psalm we're going to start here with the first we'll look at the first nine verses here He starts off he says I will bless the Lord at all times His praise shall continually be in my mouth In the Lord my soul will make its praise Let the humble hear and be glad Oh magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. There it is There's his prayer life. I sought the Lord. This wasn't a one-time prayer. This is someone that's pursuing God I sought the Lord and he answered me He delivered me from all my terrors or fears or needs Those who look to him are radiant Their faces shall never be ashamed. This afflicted man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Here it is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord. That doesn't mean to be afraid of him. What this means is to, to reverence him, to respect him, to honor him with your life. Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. That's a, that's a happy man. That is a man that is overflowing with joy. Here's a man who has tasted God's goodness, and he's vowing to praise God for all that he's done for him and all he's given for him. Because of his his need, uh, because of the troubles and the trials that he had tasted, uh, because of his dedication to God, now he's tasting God's goodness in answer to prayer, and he can't stop talking about it. He said, I vow to spend my life talking well about you, God. Talking about your goodness talking about your greatness. I have tasted how good you are, and now I want other people to taste that as well. Have you ever tasted something that was so good that you couldn't wait to tell other people about it? Right? You, you, it brought a smile to your face, a smile to your belly, and, and you couldn't wait to tell other people because really what you're doing is you're inviting them into your joy. You want them to taste that as well. Um, about two years ago, I had the privilege of discovering Pine State Biscuits in Portland. Has anyone heard of it? No? Oh, you poor souls. Yeah, No wonder you seem unhappy. Yeah. If you get a chance... You have got to try Pine State biscuits. Absolutely the best biscuits I've ever had. And I grew up in the South, so I had some pretty good biscuits. But the best biscuits that I have ever had in my life. And if you try it, you've got to try the Reggie. Okay, it's this huge biscuit with a piece of fried chicken, uh, melted cheese, bacon, and sausage gravy on top of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting hungry thinking about it absolutely amazing amazing place but let me warn you if you go this place is busy you're going to stand in line for a long time but it's going to be worth it uh, I remember the first time I tried it I was in Portland I'd heard about it and I stopped by one morning to get to to have one of these biscuits and oh my goodness I thought I was in heaven you know I text my wife I said this place is amazing we have got you've got to come down here when we get a chance you know I'm 99% sure That when Jesus comes back, that will be the first place he stops off. (laughs) But when you have something that good, you taste something that good, you can't help but to share it with other people. Because you want them to experience the same joy that you've experienced. And that's what David is doing here. David was on the run. He's separated from his family. And you know the relationship he had with Jonathan. That was one of his best friends. He's separated from him. He has no food, no weapons. You talk about vulnerability. David was vulnerable. He was the anointed king, and here he is like a fugitive on the run. And he calls out to God, and God meets his needs, meets all of his needs. He keeps him safe. And David is now gushing about God's goodness. And he vows that he will praise God for the rest of his life. And you know what's so great about the life of David? If you know his life, he was not a perfect man. David made some major mistakes in his life. And even toward the second half of his life, he he had some unfortunate consequences from sinful choices. But yet God was still good to him throughout his life. You know, that gives hope to people like us that God God is not looking for a perfect person that never makes mistakes to be good to. You know, and and God is looking for people that have a heart for him, that want to serve him. and, And as they serve him, they will meet with his goodness. I look back at, 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 at my story and, I, and the decision I made. I wanted to follow God. I can still remember in those early days at Open Door Baptist Church and, and, and sitting there thinking, you know, God, I want to serve you with my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I can do. You know, this is just crazy to me. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And just wave after wave of God's goodness in response to prayer. David has tasted his goodness and now he wants to share that goodness with others. Now, he goes on and he's inviting people into his goodness. He's inviting people into, into what, he's, uh, what he uh, has experienced. And now he wants to teach them, which is the most important part of the psalm. He wants to teach them about the kind of person that can experience that goodness. Look at what he said in, in the following verses. He said, come, old children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there or woman who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit, turn away from evil, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This, this verse here, what man is there, what woman is there, desires, desires life and love many days that he may see good? In other words, what he's asking here, he said, how many of you want to live your life to the fullest? That's what he's asking. And you, we might be tempted to think, well, that's David. That's Old Testament. We're New Testament people now. We know the Apostle Peter quotes this psalm in 1 Peter chapter 3. And if you know anything about 1 Peter, he's writing to a group of Christians who used to live in Rome at one time. But because of persecution, they've been kicked out of Rome. And they're scattered through what is now modern-day Turkey. And, and, and they've left their homes behind. They've left material possessions behind. And here's Peter telling New Testament Christians... Listen, you want to see good days, you want to experience life to the fullest, you too can taste and see that God is good. You too can experience the same thing. One of the reasons why... I love telling the the, the stories that I told earlier at the beginning of the message from my life. And, and, you know, frankly, I feel like I don't have enough of those stories. I want some more, and I hope I'm going to have some more out in Forest Grove, uh, stories of lives being changed from people calling upon God. But the reason I love telling that story is because I love reliving those moments. You know, like when you eat a pine state biscuit, it brings a smile to my face. And, and it it, 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 you know, even just this week thinking through it again and getting a little emotional thinking about it when I was preparing this message and, and reliving those moments and thinking, I want to see more of that in my life because I haven't been perfect in my prayer life either. I even after seeing some of those things in my life, I've had seasons where I've doubted God and I've let discouragement overtake my prayer life and I didn't call on him. And I wonder what could I have seen if I had stayed faithful in those moments, but I love doing that to us. It encourages me, but here's another reason. I love telling those stories because I love the expression on people's faces when I tell it. It's everything from wide-eyed to teary-eyed. And you see, that's my way of inviting people into my joy and saying, listen, you too can taste God's goodness. I'm no different than any of you. And David is doing the same here in Psalm 34. He says, do you want to taste and see that the Lord is good? Here's how you do it. It's not very difficult. He says, first of all, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. In other words, he says, the kind of person that can expect God's goodness in their life is the person whose speech is harmless and truthful. You see, our words, and, and we've have probably, I, I would imagine all of us have at least one story in our life where people have hurt us very bad with their words, uh, where they have created a lot of pain in our, in our life because of their words to us. Whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, whether it's a a fellow Christian, whatever it may be. And you know, there's probably a story here that all of us could tell where we have hurt other people with our words too. But see, David said, listen, you want to taste his goodness? You want to taste and see that he's good? He said, make sure your speech is harmless and honest. And then he goes on and says, look, turn away from evil and do good. That's talking about your actions. He talks about your speech, and now he turns to our actions. He said that things that we do to other people should help them and not hurt them. See, the word evil in the Old Testament, actually the word evil throughout the Bible, it talks about the kinds of things that bring pain and destruction to people's lives. The good that he talks about is stuff that's beneficial. Where our actions help other people, they benefit other people. He said if you want to taste God's goodness... Do you want to hold that cup of God's goodness and taste of it? He said, here's how you do it. It's not very difficult. Make sure your speech is harmless and honest. And make sure that you are helping people with your life and not hurting them. Whether it's your fellow believers or the community around us, whatever it may be. And then the last one here, he says, seek peace and pursue it. In other words, he's, he's saying here when he, he calls on us to seek peace, he says we, we are to be the kind of person that looks out for the well-being of the Christian community and the community outside us as well. You see, you know, we, we talk about uh, being a friend to the community. We want to be a friend to the community. We want our light to shine in the community around us because there's so many people that need Christ. There's so many people in broken situations, and broken homes, maybe broken relationships. But as you heard earlier, there's a lot of people who's living in the penthouse as well. But you know what? They need Jesus too. But you know where it starts? Do you remember what Jesus said in the Gospel of John? He never said that people will know you're my disciples by the love you have for them. He said they will know you're my disciples by the love you have for each other. You see, our witness to our neighbors in the community here in hillsboro forest grove cornelius whatever it may be That witness will be more compelling when they see how well we treat one another That witness will be more powerful when they see how we love and how we talk to one another And how we we care about one another And that's what god works through in a community to change people's lives when we have a group of, of believers who are living in a way that create the well-being of the christian community People who are tasting that God is good. Isn't that wonderful? David says, listen, you don't have to wear a crown. You don't have to be an anointed king. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be any of these things. He says, all you have to do is you have to want God's goodness. Do you want it? He says, this is how you do it. Make sure your speech is the right way. Make sure your actions is the right way. And see to it that you're caring for the community. Let me ask you a few questions before we close as we think about the psalm, and David goes on in the rest of the psalm to talk about um, uh, the the blessings that he received, answered to prayer, God's protection, and so forth. He talks about the different blessings of God's goodness. Here's a a couple of questions I have for you as we close. As you think about God's goodness and tasting God's goodness in your own life, what areas in your life as a Christian do you need to grow in to experience God's goodness? Maybe it's your speech. Maybe it's how you talk to your wife. Maybe it's how you talk to your husband. Maybe it's how you treat your other friends. Uh, For those of you in school, maybe it's fellow classmates. Um, Maybe it's the work site. What kind of person are you when you're at work? Do people know you're a follower of Jesus Christ because of the way that you talk? What about your actions? What do you need to grow in in your actions uh, to taste and see that God is good? Again, in the home, in the workplace, in the community, whatever it may be, what needs to change for you to experience wave after wave after wave of God's goodness? Because, you know, you've already tasted God's goodness with a free gift of eternal life. And God is saying there's much more. The cup is bigger. I've got more goodness for you. Here's another question. For those of you that would say, you know what, I'm, I'm in the midst right now of wave after wave of God's goodness. I'm tasting that goodness. I, I'm, I'm, I'm under that experience at the moment. Here's a question I have for you. Who are you inviting into your joy? Who around you are you inviting into your joy and saying, listen, I want you to come and I want you to see my joy because you too can taste and see that God is good. Are you teaching them how they can taste God's goodness? see that's called making disciples um, disciples leading other disciples in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ you see here's one final thing maybe there's someone here today and you know you're not a Christian uh, you maybe attend here and you're uh, interested in Jesus maybe you're investigating Jesus and we're glad you're here and we hope that you keep coming back um, Maybe you're hearing this message and you're hearing what happened to this guy King David and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I would like to taste and see that Jesus is good. Well, it's pretty simple. Jesus didn't make it very difficult. He made it very simple. John 3:16. This is a verse that a lot of people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, that includes you if you're without Jesus today, Everyone who believes in Him will have what? Eternal life. You see, that's God's goodness of eternal life. What does it mean to believe in Him? Well, it means that you are persuaded and you're convinced that what the Bible has to say about Jesus is true. That He really is the Son of God. That He died on a cross for the sins of the world. He was buried. He was raised to life again. That means you actually believe Jesus' promise. When he said that if you believe in me, you will have the free gift of eternal life. And he says, when you believe that you receive it, you become a child of God. You're no longer God's enemy. All of your sins have been forgiven. Whatever burden and sins you've come in with this morning, they will be taken away from you and you'll be received into God's family. Just like that. It's that simple. You can taste God's goodness and then you get started on a pathway of tasting even more of his goodness. As you follow him and follow his teachings. Listen, if you're without Jesus today, I'd love to talk with you some more about it. If you have some more questions, we have other pastors here. And if you are a follower of Christ, I hope today that after looking at this psalm, that you hunger and thirst for more of God's goodness in your life. And if you've already tasted it, pass the cup around, right? Pass the biscuit around because other people need that goodness as well. Father, we thank you for our time together today. Uh, We thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement from Psalm 34. Uh, As we look back on David's life, we can't even imagine what he was going through. Uh, To be on the run, to to have his life in danger. um, Without friends, without family, without food, without protection. But yet you came through for him. He called on you and you came through for him. And how many other Christians throughout history, Father, have found themselves in various stages of needs... And they called on you. And you have demonstrated time and time again, you really are a good, good father. Father, I pray today that people would be encouraged to call upon you and whatever burdens they're coming in with this morning, whatever troubles and trials as a result of being dedicated to you, that they will be encouraged this morning. They will be lifted up. Their heads will be lifted up. They'll look to you and they'll cry out to you for more of your goodness. And father, if there's someone here who has not tasted the good gift of eternal life. I pray today that you will draw them to the cross, draw them to Jesus, and see that their sin burden can be taken away forever, and they will be a child of God forever. Thank you for all that you've given to us in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.